I love hearing that story. It reminds me of just being a little boy and getting to getting together around the Christmas tree and on Christmas Eve, and my dad would read that. And uh, it just brings back really, really good memories, but it reminds me more than anything that God is a relational God, that He loves you and me so much. He created us. You and I are part of His creation. And because we blew it, He that didn't deter him from his perfect plan in the first place. He just said, I want to continue that relationship, and everything that they see is going to be relational. Everyone in here, we relate to God in one way or another, even if we tell him, no, I don't agree with you. We relate to one another through love and sometimes angst and trying to figure ourselves out. And learning. And then God uses the church volumes of people who are different from different backgrounds, from different walks of life, different ethnicities, different classes to come together under the name of Jesus, the name above all names, who built a bridge. By giving his life up for us. And this time of year, we see the sweetness of him coming in as an innocent baby. We're going through this narrative series. And I love it because it, it's when you go through scripture, you hit different parts of it and they speak to you differently. But it's like traveling, right? It reminds me of when Ashley and I went on a vacation not too long ago. It was during COVID, and we got to go on the first cruise I'd ever been on in my life, and I'm thankful that it was during COVID. (laughs) But the cruise, the captain would take us to different ports, and you would be able to get off and do excursions, but you would have to meet someone who knew what they were talking about to get what you needed to know about that area. And the more professional Uh, feedback you received, the better experience you had, and even your learning process would change you in one way or another, or it had the possibility to do so. We went to Cancun, and at one of our ports of stop, we got off, and we had no intention of doing an excursion. We were just going to save our money and just shop around and see what they had, and there were these guys with clipboards standing out. We weren't prepared, but we went, hmm. And all of a sudden, this guy had convinced us that this was the place we needed to go. It was relaxing. And so we ran into this store. They had exactly what she needed. She still has this bathing suit and cover-up to this day and gets compliments all over the place, and it was like $4. And I picked it out, so I get credit for that. The guy had pointed us there. He got us on a taxi in five minutes, and we went off, and we had an incredible experience. When we go through Scripture, and God guides us, and he leads us, we either get it or we don't. And there's a part tonight that we're going to read in Luke chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, if you have something to write with, that I have skipped over so many times that I missed 
an opportunity to notice an important relationship and how it developed. And it was a very unlikely relationship between, well, two women God created and chose for his purposes. They had something in common. They had a big thing in common, although the world would have looked at both of them and said, there's nothing that these women have in common. So we're going to read Luke chapter 1, and we're going to be in verse 39 through 45. And I'm just going to invite you to uh, stand for this initial reading of God's Word. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste in the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. If you remember, we covered Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah got to serve in the temple. He was told that he was going to, in his old age, give birth to a son, and that was going to be John the Baptist. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, and the baby in my womb leaped for joy... And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. I just wanted to throw that in. When we have the right friends, our soul magnifies the Lord, doesn't it? When we have the right relationships, your soul, my soul will magnify the Lord. You can be seated. What would have motivated Mary to travel to this hundred miles away, number one, to see Elizabeth? She had that barrier. She had the barrier of distance. She had the barrier of age. If you would have seen Elizabeth beyond her bearing years, there's no way you would see her just hanging out with a 14, 15-year-old Mary, would you have? But Gabriel met both of them at separate times and said, I want you to give your life up. I want you to give your life up. And they did, each one of them. Mary, who's, we don't know when she was conceived Jesus. We just know that she was told it was going to happen, And then all of a sudden it happened. We do know that Elizabeth was pregnant. Maybe seven months when Mary showed up. So Mary shows up. They have this incredible meeting. And I believe that the Holy Spirit drove them together because there was no person on the planet for either one of those women at that time. You remember Elizabeth's husband, Zachariah, couldn't even talk. Can you get me some coffee? You just go sit over and mind your own business. I believe Elizabeth needed Mary just as much as Mary needed Elizabeth during this time. Despite what their situation was, 
And despite what your situation is, what we do know is God creating us to be relational. I need you and you need me, right? I just don't always know who the you is and you don't always know who the me is. But God does provide that according to his riches and glory when we seek him first. When I seek God first, he always gives me a good friend. I don't have to worry about looking and hunting down that friend. God wants to provide for you what you need to hear, what you need to take care of you, what you need to grow in your faith. And our tendency is often to look at the differences that we have rather than just trust in God and follow him straight and then let him lead us. So when Mary knew she was alone, how am I supposed to tell Joseph at this time? You see, when she met Elizabeth, she was probably just conceived. But we know that she was pregnant because she jumped in her womb. Elizabeth is pregnant. Mary is pregnant. She meets and then three months later tells Joseph when she goes back. Joseph has to then decide whether he is going to reject her or not. No one knew that Mary was pregnant. So she couldn't just go tell, hey, by the way, honey, I'm pregnant. Will you still have me? Well, how do you know you're pregnant? You have to know. Well, an angel came to me. What we realize about Luke is Luke was a theologian. He was also a biologist. Everyone knows he was a doctor. I believe he was an historian, and he paid deep attention to things that were going on. Luke wanted us to see different things that you'll find that you won't find in other gospels. He talks about angels. He talks about women more than anybody else and their role in the church. And here he introduces the theology, if you will, that's going to develop over time of the Holy Spirit himself and how the Holy Spirit in, is involved relationally here that we might be connected relationally here. What does it mean then to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Ephesians 5.18 says, Don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery or excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, I used to think, well, then I can drink beer. <laughs> it re- literally means keep on being filled with His Spirit. Keep on being filled. That implies a relationship that can overflow within us, inside us, that God's presence within us because of us dealing with sin and through repentance pushing it away on a regular basis, he will impregnate us with his spirit that we might function as good Christians. So when we're saved, when we're sanctified, we get gifts, right? Elizabeth, we see here, responds immediately knowing that Mary is pregnant. And John jumps within her. An activity, she, they said that John would be filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. That was said ahead of time. You remember? 
Well, at this point, we see it coming to fruition. The Holy Spirit is working in them to will and to act according to his good pleasure. Elizabeth experiences something she hasn't experienced before when Mary come up, when, when Mary came up. She had supernatural enlightenment that she didn't have before. When I'm saved, I get wisdom that I did not have before, right? Some people can teach and they couldn't teach before. Just because I can play drums doesn't mean I am filled with the Holy Spirit and the spirit of drumming. I don't think that's in the Bible. We can be talented and gifted as non-believers, but when God overflows us with his spirit, something different explodes within us that we did not have before. He says things in different ways that only he can say. And he starts by saying these things to us and comforting us in our affliction. Here's some relational ways in the human experience God has, has designed for us. He started with man. He created man and then he said, you're not good by yourself. So he created woman. Then there's God-man relationship. He, the Bible says that he walked with Adam. God walked with Adam. The Hebrew expression for walking is literally friendship. He was a friend of God. Abraham was a friend of God, right? When sin entered the world through Adam, it separated Adam from God. And then we find the first murder take place, Cain and Abel. Jesus, the solution for that, was called a friend of what? Sinners. Jesus was noticed by the religious right as a friend of sinners because he hung out with tax collectors and sinners. His, of his 12 disciples, three were close, Peter, James, and John. And then those were people he did ministry with. And then there were people he did not do ministry with that he was friends with. Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. The church is built on these relationships after Jesus leaves and sent his spirit. Heaven is going to be like church and friendship on steroids. You and I are going to be able to worship forever together because of the common ground we have in Christ. And we're not going to have any pain. We're not going to have any trials that we have here. The new heaven and the new earth are going to be incredible, but we often want it right now so much that we circumvent what we could be receiving right now to enable us, to empower us, to get through everything right now. Friendships are important. Relationships are, are God's idea. But here are three ideas that help us in the process. Three realizations that we've got to know. Number one, friendships are discovered. Then they're built. We often think we've got to go invest in someone. Proverbs 27.9 says, The sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Solomon compares friendship to sweetness. 
At his time, he did not have the same sugar that we have today. Sweetness was from honey. When you get near honey, and it's manned by bees, you might get stung. You can find friendship. You might get stung. It's still worth it. What if there's bears around, honey? You can find these things, and they are worth having, even though finding them can be painful. Both Elizabeth and Mary had to deal with other people being perse persecuting them at different times. Why is your husband mute? Your son is crazy. Elizabeth, I don't believe in her age, got to see John the Baptist grow up. Although maybe when they were younger, Jesus and John the Baptist's cousins got to, you know, play a little together and they got to experience that. I believe that this was an important part time where God answered at the end of her life something she had been dreaming about for a long time long time. And she got to experience that with someone else who had an identical promise from an angel that you will be blessed. You will be blessed, but you're not to be glorified. Your son will, and my son will introduce him to the world. There are levels of friendship. Friendship can be elusive, but when we go looking for it, here's what we can find. I can find friendships in affinity. These are things that I might just have in common. The problem with this is, is the band might break up. That the soccer team that I'm playing on may have graduates next year. That if I'm on a football team for a period of time, maybe I'm not on that team anymore. We have something in common, but it's only going to be for a time. It's not as lasting, per se, if it's built on a common interest. Let's say anger. A friendship discovered over ideology. And friendships can develop over a hatred for something else. Is that healthy? I would say not lasting, for sure. As a matter of fact, I've seen well-meaning Baptists develop a relationship not with Christ as the center, but as anger for the outside world or even another church. The enemy wants a friendship founded over a falsehood, not over Jesus Christ. How about achievement? You ever heard it said lonely at the top? It's lonely at the top. Well, we still have to find somebody at the top. If you're at the top, what do you do? You find someone who has that in common. I can't communicate the same things that someone else may not have experienced already. Befriend people that achieve much like you, and you'll build each other up. That can be a good thing. It can challenge you to be better. Adversity. There's something about trauma that unites people. 
You've been in an accident. You've lost a loved one. You might have had a history of abuse. You might have had a history of abusing. We have things in common that we tend to graduate to each other over. And as Christians, I think that's a healthy thing. As a matter of fact, Paul says in 2 Corinthians, comfort those in the same affliction that you yourself first were comforted with. There's some health to that, but it's not enough without Christ. How about adoration? The highest level of friendship are those built on mutual adoration for Christ. When we went to Puerto Rico last January, this, you know, 2023, I met a new friend. His name is Adrian. He surfs. We had things in common. I could barely communicate with him because I spoke English and terrible Spanish, and he spoke not very good English. But we knew how to communicate over family issues and his brother, and I got to meet him. He, sh- he shared a surfboard on the last day we were there. He brought his surfboard, was, was identical to a surfboard that I had, same shape, fins, and everything. He was going to take me surfing. There are those things, but those things ended up at the last day because our first affinity was worshiping Christ together. Hard working to accomplish the mission that we're there for, which was to bring our church to be able to serve their community. You're going to meet people on outside the island and that are Christians that right when you meet them, you have Christ in common and you can't wait to do something with them and they will build you up just because of that because there's no back drama behind the relationship. You can get close to those people. We have those experiences every mission trip we go on. Africa. If you want that kind of a friendship, the kind Elizabeth and Mary had, don't pursue them. Don't pursue the friendship. Pursue God. He knows you want a friendship. The second, friendships develop through difficulty. They're first discovered, then built, and then they develop through difficulty. Proverbs 27.10 says, Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend. Don't go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. Hmm. Proverbs 17.7 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. We often know who our friends are when times get tough. They are the ones who are still there. They run to you rather than away from you when times get tough. There's something about difficulty that gives us clarity to our relationships. They give us comfort. That They can be redemptive to us. We are told by Jesus that we will suffer persecution in this world, that we will have trouble. What better way to deal with it than with somebody else who experiences the same thing, who can lift you up when you are down, who can say, no, it's okay, I know. I can't understand, but I am mourning with those who are mourning, and I am rejoicing with those who are rejoicing because that's what you need, and I love you, and I care about you. We need more of that. 
And I believe that the more faith we have, the more our roots dig into dig into our solid foundation of our relationship with Christ. And that is what grows the love that we see out. And we've, we've, we become less critical and more servant-minded. We pray more. We judge less. You need somebody in your life that will tell you what you need to hear and will be positive and less critical. A friend is the one who comes in when the entire world has gone out. Do you have that guy? Whatever relationship Mary and Elizabeth had prior to this, it went to a new level at this point. What we have to worry about is suffering alone. It is common mainly for men to suffer. You're struggling. You don't want to tell your friend you're struggling, so you go do it by yourself. Everybody can do this. And if you have pride in your life, that will cause this to happen. I don't want to bother them. I don't want to bring them down. I don't want them to struggle. So we suffer by ourselves. Solomon wrote, the man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against sound judgment. What comes from suffering alone? I would say nothing good. People that suffered alone have become serial killers. They have grown up to become dysfunctional socialites. They don't know how to have relationships as they get older. Hermits. This time of year, we see people who have suffered alone committing suicide over and over and over. We weren't intended to go through life alone. We shouldn't pretend that we can do it, especially as Christians. Friendships are discovered than built. Friendships develop through difficulties, and finally, friendships get easier the more we do them. The more, if you want to make friends, you show yourself friendly, right? My mom used to say it. I didn't listen. <laughs> it's, a, it's a valuable lesson. We don't know what happened after they met, were there family reunions? Did John and Jesus play? We don't know all of those details, but Mary did not stay alone. Mary continued doing life with other people. Elizabeth probably passed away. Their friendship ended, but I guarantee you Mary was involved in John's life. Mary was there at the crucifixion. She had Mary Magdalene. Mary, the mother of James, Joseph, the wife of Zebedee, Joanna, Mary, the wife of Clopas. Mary had friends all the way till the end. The first friendship with Elizabeth took some work. It was a hundred-mile journey to meet a lady, probably, I mean, decades older than her. All the great writers and philosophers have tackled the question. 
one thing we all have in common is that we need friends. The adventures of Huck Finn give us a good example of what real friendship was like, even though it's not a real story. The adventures of Tom Sawyer. Huck Finn decides he's going to help his friend, Jim, escape. Jim, he's a slave. He learned in his Sunday school class, Huck Finn did, that if you, let a, if you helped a slave, you were going to go to hell. So he didn't know what to do. He was at a crossroads. And this is what was written in the book. It was a close place. I took it up. I held it in my hand. I was trembling because I got to decide forever betwixt two things, and I knowed it. I studied a minute, sort of holding my breath, and then says to myself, All right, then, I'll go to hell. And I tore it up. Speaking of a letter he was going to have to write, turning his friend Jim in. He decided what he knew. That couldn't be God. We have someone who did that for us. Jesus Christ came and said he would be our friend. But he literally laid down his life and went to hell for you and me. Separated from God that you and I might have life. He said, it's okay, I will go for David. When I was looking for a wife, I thought I'd never find love. When I found Ashley, it was because I found Christ first. God is good. He will provide. And if we miss the relational part of why we're here, we miss everything. We can read nice little stories about Jesus in the manger and go to the live manger scenes and read the Christmas story and get up and open gifts and then split. Everybody go do your own stuff like we're roommates. Or we can do life together. Who do you have that's close? First, it's got to be him. And who do you have when times are tough? Don't look for him. God knows. He wants to help you build friendships. He wants to help you be friendly. He wants to use you in this world. And he will, when he says, when Jesus Christ is lifted up, he will draw all men unto himself. All right? I'm just going to invite you all to stand and the band to come back. We're done. And uh, you're going to worship. We're just going to sing a song or two. I'm going to be down front. I want to pray for us. And I want you to inventory your family, your friends, your relationships. Does somebody need to go? Or do you need to travel far? Do you need to follow him to the one that matters?
I want everybody to bow their head. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're just going to worship where we are. If you want prayer for anything, I'll be down front. Lord, we acknowledge that you created us for each other, but first you created us for you. We do want to glorify you. We know that this story that you've given us, Mary, pregnant with my Savior, Jesus Christ, scared, young, but saying, Lord, let it be done to me. She was willing and obedient, and she received. She was faithful. You led her. You used John the Baptist the way you did. So many miraculous relationships we can learn from in this narrative about Jesus. Lord, I pray for blessings on friendships. That there may be people here who are just lonely when they don't need to be. That isolation at times is the worst thing they could even get near Lord we pray against that and we ask that you would uh, that you would grant strength and wisdom to get past fear and pride in areas where we need to step out and ask for help or just say I'm there for you when you make our hearts sensitive that someone might need a friend. Lord, we want to be all you want us to be, especially this time of year. Lord, as we worship right now, we surrender ourselves to you and to your service and we ask we ask that you would reveal ways that we can connect with family members that are lost or hurting how do we pray for people who we know that have cancer there are some miracles in this room that we would just want to see happen in our families there are people who have abandoned children. And this, there are needs that we are scared as a church to meet because it's not easy to foster. It's not easy to meet the needs of others. I got my own problems. Lord, we say out loud that we want to be the church of Acts. But then when it comes time to sell in my property, I, I think twice and try and forget about it. So I, so I just ask personally for your, for your forgiveness for thinking so temporarily at times. Help us as a group to talk about the things that are difficult and maybe make some commitments that are even harder because we know that it's you that's asking us.
to make those sacrifices. Lord, as we worship, as we fellowship, may you be glorified that we leave here filled with your spirit, walking in fellowship with you in Jesus' name.